Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This week I wanted to talk about food intolerances and uh, different things that can be done to help with that. Let me get started with a little story. Um, we'll call, I w- you know, I was working with, with some parents recently. We'll, we'll say mom's name was Liz. And for the purposes of the story, we'll leave it just with mom. Um, and her son, Tim. And their story begins when Tim was really young and he was starting to eat regular foods. He was starting to self-feed. So we were, you know, weaning off breast milk and formula and we were beginning to create eating habits, um, with parents. And, um, what Liz had decided to do is that, you know, she was a pretty busy mom. She had four other kids who were older, um, and their eating habits in the home were a standard American diet. Um, and she had no problems with having her children eventually adopt, you know, eating, you know, vegetables occasionally, um, or for dinners or whatever, uh, with starting with, um, self-feeding with, you know, cereals and other little snack items that dissolve easily in the mouth and, and all of those things. And so, um, she continued to do that with her son, Tim, who at the time she wasn't aware had, um, autism had not been diagnosed yet. And so she, she did that and, um, he started to self feed and it looked like swallowing was going really well. Everything was, was great. Fast forward a couple, couple months and Tim is, uh, you know, slow to be talking. He's very restrictive in his eating patterns. In fact, he only eats cheese and cereal and only drinks chocolate milk. And at this point, um, on top of his diagnosis, um, he is at, uh, like the 99th percentile for weight. And so he's, he's a really, really chunky little guy and doctors are starting to tell her that, you know, this isn't good. Like we need to like be watching what he's eating. He needs more vegetables. He definitely needs a more balanced diet. They were worried about, um, him intaking enough vitamins and and nutrients, especially as his body was still developing. And so Liz decided that she was going to start, you know, the meal replacement, the like pediatures and, and all of those things because they had all of the vitamins and minerals that were required for the day and they came in a chocolate flavor. So that became his new chocolate milk and he would drink it from a bottle. And that was good for the time being. And as Tim continued to grow, his uh, diagnosis became more and more apparent. Um, and she reached out to um, healthcare providers to see what, what could be done to help him in, in various different ways. And he had, you know, a lot of different problem behavior, um, and a lot of different food refusal at this point. And, um, 
she came across my path and um, asked for my help. And this is something that um, it's a really interesting story because I feel like this happens quite often where parents will go from one thing to the next, you know, like, oh, one problem will begin and then you will fix it with, you know, a meal replacement and then you'll fix it with, you know, so something else that doesn't quite solve the problem and doesn't quite teach what the what the actual needed behavior is of, of just eating a more balanced diet and being okay with new foods and new textures, uh, but is something similar to what they already eat that's just a little bit better, um, but essentially the same. Um, and I sat her down and I, and I had, you know, a conversation with her about, about, about food programming and about how simple it really can be. And the interesting thing about all of this is that there's a lot of different myths going on about, about food. And let me, let me just kind of like debunk a couple of those right now. So there's, some myths about food consumption and about preferences for food. And some of those myths are like one that I hear commonly is my child is on the spectrum and so they are going to be picky about food and there's nothing that we can do to help that. Another one that I frequently hear is my child can't tolerate certain textures and that's just kind of how it is. So they will never be able to tolerate pudding or whatever, whatever item. Um, and then there, I mean, there, there are various, various couple others that are, that are kind of similar in nature, but the, the science says that food preferences um, and taste preferences are very, very teachable. They're very malleable. And for the average human, it takes approximately 10 tries of a food for the tongue to start to accept it as a preferred uh, taste, as a preferred, even a preferred texture in the mouth. Um, and those on the spectrum can be anywhere from that 10 to 30 trials of that, of that item. And... So if you're looking at the science and you know that taste and, and food preference can be taught, then all you need is the correct way to go about it so that you're not having a massive tantrum every single time that you, you start a meal. And if you know how to do that and you can appropriately plan for those things, then mealtime can become really fun. And I recently had a client... Um, who we had been working on on these things for a while and what you'll find and this is supported by the literature as well what you'll find is when you start doing this and you, you you'll train maybe three or four different foods at a time and every subsequent food will get easier and easier and you won't have to do as many trials to have them in taking that food easily and then once you go for a certain while, pretty soon they'll try novel foods just for the heck of it. 
So I recently had a parent reach out to me um, that I had been working with for a little a little while back. And they reached out and they were like, oh my gosh, he's trying new foods every single day. It's never been this good. He'll just sit down and we'll say, hey, you know, try some of this and some of this. And then if you don't like it, that's cool. You tried it and then you can be done. And he will do it and we don't have a fit about it. And sometimes he'll like take multiple bites and sometimes he'll eat all of it. And it's like, it's like we don't have this problem anymore. And that, that's the reality of food programming. So sometimes, you know, when you start off and they're young enough, um, I have a lot of parents who will start with a really, really varied diet and will start, you know, introducing a lot of new foods and vegetables in a really, really balanced way. Um, and they themselves eat in a really, really balanced way to, to model that behavior. And, and they don't see these problems, even though their child will have a really, really similar diagnosis as, as another one. And it will present in, in a lot of similar ways, but, if a child isn't introduced to those foods and or those foods being eaten aren't like aren't modeled in an in a everyday kind of pattern or a consistent way then they will they will struggle more and so this is one of those things that like you know your your child regardless of the diagnosis uh can and will adapt to the environment over time and so if you have an environment where um all that was offered was chicken nuggets and hot dogs and now you're mystified on why they only eat chicken nuggets and hot dogs and that's all you eat uh that may be because the modeling environment is the chicken nuggets and hot dogs are what's food and everything else is not. But um, back to my main story here with with Liz and and Tim. So I was I was talking with them and I was relaying some, you know, m- most of the science and she was like, I I really want to do this. I feel like, you know, the chocolate drinks are really high in sugar. I want to have him be able to eat normally. I want him to be able to go to school lunch and not have a fit about what, you know, having to eat strawberries or, um, something that isn't cheese or, or whatever. I I want him to just be able to be a healthy little boy. And I said, okay, awesome. Why don't we do a program and, and we're going to introduce two food items. So if you could choose the two food items that you're going to introduce, what would, what would they be? Well, well, what do you think is best? That's what she asked me. And my response was, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it in making that choice. But essentially what you want to do is you either want to make a choice that is either readily available in your home regardless of the health factor or if nutrition really is a huge component of why you're doing this, you want to go for a really nutritious food item that is uh, really far out there from where, where they're at right now. So Tim was only doing this chocolate milk drink and, and cheese items at this point. And so we had dairy down, um, and so I I told her is like you can you can choose to start with something that would just make your life easier as a mom. You know, like maybe I have a lot of parents that that have kids that they're like, man, it would be so much easier if they would just eat crackers, or man, I you know make spaghetti once a week. It'd be really nice if they would tolerate spaghetti with red sauce. 
And, and that's where we start, uh, just because that is going to be in the home and that would make mealtime better and easier. And that's going to be consistently served. And, and that's a really viable way to do things. Um, with Tim though, because he was so heavy for his, his age, mom was, was really getting concerned that, that the Pediasure was, you know, he was having to drink a lot, you know, he was really, really hungry and he was having to like drink a lot of that. And then he would like want cheese all the time. And like, he just wasn't getting a lot of like sustaining food for like a growing, a growing little boy. And so, um, they were getting really concerned about that. And so they decided, okay, well, you know what, we can like make some changes and we can do, you know, my older kids will often do like carrots and they will do, um, strawberries. And so they were willing to have carrots and strawberries in the home a little bit more. And they were willing to be serving those consistently. And I said, okay, why don't we start with those two things? You can start with three or four. I think that two, two was great for this situation. And I explained the following protocol. Now this protocol, I did not come up with this protocol. You'll find this protocol in a whole bunch of um, uh, feeding clinic protocols. They, they do this frequently uh, if you take your child to have, have services just for uh, feeding disorders and, and things like that. And so uh, this is a protocol that is often used to help uh, with children who have a very, very narrow scope of preferred foods. This is to help. We're not looking to eat more food necessarily. We're looking to eat a broader range of food. And so um, our goal is not that you're going to eat 16 baby carrots. Our goal is that you are going to be able to tolerate a carrot. Um, and so so I, I explained the following and I said, this is what I want you to do for mealtime. I want you to have two plates set out for you and Tim. And every single time that you have mealtime, what you're going to do is you're going to do, you're going to set a timer for 15 minutes and you're going to, on one plate, we're going to call it plate A. You're going to take, now remember they had chosen carrots and strawberries. And I said, what I want you to do is I want you to take those carrots and I want you to cut them up to rice size portions. Okay. So we're not going to eat a whole carrot because that, that's a really big ask for a child who will not eat vegetables. That is a huge ask. So, um, I said, we're going to, we're going to cut those up into rice, a grain of rice size portions on that plate. And I want you to put out four portions. So four little grains of rice, carrot rice, <laughs> and you're going to have that out on the, on the plate and you're going to do the same thing for strawberries and you're just going to have four little grain of rice size portions of strawberry on the plate. And on the other plate, we'll call it plate B. So you have your plate A and you have your plate B. Um, I want you to include, you know, string cheese. I want you to include, you know, if, if they'll intake candy items, if they'll intake, you know, things, thing, all of their preferred foods, all of the things that you don't have, you know, all the things they're asking you to eat. 
That's, that's what I want. That's what I want you to put on plate B. And what you're going to do is you're going to sit there and you're going to have plate A and plate B for Tim. And you're going to have plate A and plate B for you. And you are going to sit there and you're going to have that timer going. And you are going to model eating that carrot and really liking it. And I want you to like lay it on really thick. I want you to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is delicious. And like chewing with gusto and like you are so, so stoked about it. And it's like, like really, really delicious. And I kid you not, like the literature will tell you that the more delicious you make something look, the more you model that like really enjoying something, the higher the chance that the child is willing to try it. If the child is willing to try it and let it pass, uh, through their mouth and taste that and swallow that you've you've won okay so so the goal is to get the food into the mouth and swallowed that's it and that is that's your party right there and so you're going to model that and then you're going to switch your plate from the plate a and you're going to put the plate b in front of you and you're going to eat your your treat from plate b and then you'll switch it back and then you say, okay, your turn. And you allow them to, to self-feed. So we're, we're allowing them, self-feed means that you're allowing them to, to grab their portions of food, whatever they're eating, and put them in their mouth and have that kind of control. So we're not trying to foie gras our children. We're not force feeding. We're not going to hold anyone down. We're not going to like, like make anything like that go down. And what we're going to do is we're going to ignore problem behavior. And we're also going to block access to plate B, meaning we're going to make sure that they can't reach and grab and eat anything from plate B until they've eaten something from plate A. Now, the way that I typically like to do this is, um, especially in the beginning, you'll have some really, really sad guys. You'll, they'll be they'll be really sad that they have their food is right there. They can see plate B. Everything that they want is is right there and yet it's out of reach because they have to eat these yucky gross things that they're really afraid of. And that's going to be going on for a little minute. It's going to probably be, if you run this every single day for one meal a day, it's probably going to be, you know, you're not going to see any success for maybe the first two weeks of trials before they're like, okay, fine. And then they will try it and then they'll realize it's not that bad. Then they'll try it again. Then they'll try it again. Then they'll try it again. Then pretty soon it's like, oh, not a big deal. And they're eating their little, they're eating all of the little carrot pieces and they're eating all of the little strawberry pieces. And it's, it's a thing of the past, not a big deal. But in the beginning, it's going to be really, really sad. So what I typically do when I'm running this myself is I'll, I'll say, okay, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll give them the instruction. All right, your turn take a bite. And I'll, I'll say that after I've modeled my, my eating and, um, I'll allow them, you know, 10 seconds to pick it up themselves and self feed. And then, um, if they don't want to comply, I will, I will grab some myself and either put it in their hand so that they can finish, uh, bringing it, bring it up to their mouth, or I will, um, put it up to their mouth to see if they'll accept it. If I'm getting any verbal refusals and if I'm getting, you know, like any crying or, or anything, anything like that, where they're obviously not going to be accepting the meal or the food, um, then I will gently push both plates away. So we don't have access to plate B because we did not eat anything from plate A. 
But and then and then I'll introduce like a, a small toy or something for them to like play with or, or like whatever until we have our next trial. And our next trial is going to consist of the same thing. I'm going to model uh, eating the little piece of carrot or whatever myself. And I'm going to make it look so, so good. And I'm going to be like super extra about it. And then I'm going to, you know, reintroduce the plate. I'm going to slide it back closer to them. I'm going to be like, okay, your turn. Take a bite. And we're going to follow this and I'm going to be really neutral. I'm not going to be begging them. I'm not going to like, I'm, I'm not going to verbalize anything probably except for take a bite. I'm not going to be negotiating. Oh, well, if you eat that, then you can have blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, well, I'll, mommy will give you ice cream if you, no, I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. I've already modeled to them that like, you know, you eat something, you eat the, you eat the carrot, then you can have something from plate B. So they, they already are getting the gist of, of the situation of what's going down. They already want what's on plate B. So um, you, you go through this and, and you try and you do your best to block behavior. It's going to be normal to have them try something, put it in, in their mouth, and then be spitting it out. Or, or, you know, different, different things like that. They're going to be doing different things. Um, and we're going to try and block that as best we can. There's not a whole lot of blocking that you can do for spitting things out. Obviously, when I do this with a client, I'm not having them like re-eat food that has like been thrown up or or like really been gross and like spit up or whatever. Like I will, that's why you have four or five different trials of your little tiny carrot pieces or your little tiny strawberry pieces so that when they, when they get spit up or something, you can just be done with that little piece and move on to the next piece. But... I will go through this process and then usually within within two weeks of consistently running this, then you start to get them independently like being willing to try. And then you immediately give them access to plate B and oh my gosh, choose choose something from plate B, dude. You're so awesome. I think you're so cool. You're giving them all of the praise that they could want. Maybe they have a favorite show that they want to watch on your phone while they're eating their treat from plate B that they got to choose. They get to choose one little treat. So like, you know, one little portion of cheese or, you know, maybe they really love gummy bears. I don't know, whatever. So they get to choose which are whatever they want from plate B and then, um, and then they can watch, you know, 30 to 45 seconds of, of a show or something. Um, and so you're just making it just really, really awesome. If they don't respond, you're going to make it less awesome, but you're going to try and make it like neutral. Okay. Well, we'll try next time you move the plates away and you hand them some like blocks or some like less preferred play item that's going to be able to keep them busy while they just kind of like stay calm and, and reset while you prep for the next, next time that you introduce the food. But if they're earning that party, then you want it to be an absolute party. You want to pair everything that they love. They love watching, um, Cocomelon or, um, whatever whatever show or movie that they love okay we're gonna put that on for 45 seconds while they're having their plate b because they went through plate a so you're trying to connect carrots or strawberries in this situation to everything that they love and within a couple of trials you'll see them very very independently in taking that because now they have the pattern down and it turns it turns out that if you if you put a little bit of carrot in your mouth uh, and you wash it down with a gummy bear it's really not that bad it's really not that bad okay 
Okay. And, and so she was like, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. Within two weeks, she was messaging me. Oh my gosh. He, he is, he just ate four pieces of carrot and he ate two pieces of strawberry and we didn't have any screaming at all. And I just let, you know, I let him watch the whole frozen movie and it was like beautiful. And, um, I, I'm so, I'm so stoked. And so that continued for the whole next week. And I was like, I really think that he's ready for the next step. Oh, well, what's the next step? Well, awesome. We're obviously going to have him eating closer to regular portions of, of carrots, right? Because you can't, these rice size portions aren't going to work. And so what we did is, is over the weeks, we gradually increased the portion size. We went from rice size to pea size to uh, quarter cuts of baby carrots to uh, half a baby carrot to a whole baby carrot to, you know, a much, much larger carrot, etc. You know, you know what I'm saying? So you would, you would increase the size um, but not too quickly because at any point it can become really, really overwhelming to, to the child. And so you want to take your time with this and, and make sure that they have a couple really great trials under their belt where they're just like really comfortable, just like self-feeding on those carrots or self-feeding on those strawberries or whatever it is. Um, and then, and then you, you up the, you up the size of the, of the food until they're eating an entire strawberry or a half a strawberry or whatever they can fit in their mouth safely without choking. Um, and you do that. And then when they've mastered that, then you start to change the texture. So maybe now we have boiled carrots that are softer or maybe, I, I don't know, I, you can do different things with this, or maybe it has, maybe it's on some kind of sauce or something, or it starts to look different or whatever. And so you'll, you'll start to vary that out and you'll start to like, like do these things, or you can introduce a new food. So, um, at that point I recommended, okay, well, why don't we do something that's really easily accessible for you and then why don't we choose like another vegetable or a fruit so we chose apples and we chose uh, chicken nuggets because a lot of her other children were eating chicken nuggets every uh every day for lunch and so that was going to be really really accessible and so we did the same thing with chicken nuggets well a couple you know speed through a couple weeks um and he was starting to eat you know uh, small portions of chicken nuggets and those apple slices were, were coming along like small, small portions of, of apple were coming along really, really well. And mom commented to me like, Oh, it's really true. Like this is going so much easier than it did the first time. But she had to go through like a couple of days of him being like, what? Apples and chicken nuggets. I'm not eating this. I'm not doing this. And she was like really disheartened her for a couple of days and had to like really manage her mind around you know, all of the thoughts of like, this is never going to work. This is, you know, my, he's never going to eat normal, blah, blah, blah. All of these, all of these thoughts that she was having. And she had to trust that process that she had completed before. Um, and he was able to gain apples and chicken nuggets much faster than he was the first two items that they tried. And then pretty soon she started to realize that, um, he was a lot more like he, uh, she had made jello one day and, um, she was eating it on the couch and it wasn't even mealtime, but she, you know, she knew that he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna go for that because that wasn't his like main food types and it wasn't within one of the food types that they had worked on. And she was just eating it and, um, 
And he came up to her and he requested to have some and he tried some and he swallowed it. And then he like had three bites of it before he was not interested anymore. And she was like, that has never happened for it. That never happened if it wasn't cheese and if it wasn't chocolate milk. I, it was just, it just never, ever, ever happened before. And then I recommended to her at that point because they were still really concerned about like his, his weight and, and all of these things. I, I recommended that they, that they cut back on, uh, some of the pediatric, and I know that sometimes that that is really, really scary because sometimes that can be the only way that they're getting vitamins and, and minerals. And I was like, well, if there's a little bit of deprivation and, and hunger, just a little, just, just a little bit, um, sometimes you can up the amount of, of vegetables and other food items, uh, in there because they are just by nature of them being hungry. And that also, when we, when we did that, that sped up the process of, of him wanting to intake chicken nuggets, that, of him wanting to have more strawberries and like eating whole carrots all the time for snacks and, and different things like that. Um, just because he was, he was a lot more hungry because he wasn't having access to that chocolate milk all the time. Um, and this is something that can also be done with liquids as well. You can do this easily with, um, with water, you know, if you're trying to train water or some other type of juice, or you're just trying to get away from chocolate milk, um, and, and similar processes can be done. You can, you know, have a little bit of water in a spoon and you'll, you'll have them like intake water through a spoon. Um, and it will start with like droplet sizes to a little bit larger than they can have, um, chocolate milk as their, um, reinforcing drink, or even, you know, you can have, you could have, um, regular plate B stuff that, that has worked for your child in the past as well. So, um, that's, that's what I recommended to, to Liz and Tim. And now, I mean, I mean, it's, it's definitely a work in progress, but it's a work in progress that Liz understands how to do. And she doesn't feel like she's trapped and like her son is, uh, not going to be able to eat normally and is a nightmare around mealtime. It's one of those things that it's starting to grow into. Look how, many things he can eat. Look how he's trying new things. Look how, and this is starting to become one of Tim's strengths because they practiced so much and it's like, you know, it's like a muscle and you, you work it out and you get used to the pattern of trying new things. And pretty soon trying new things becomes something that you're really, really good at. And that's something that Tim has been able to do because mom was really, really consistent and really desired uh, this result. And so, it's one of those things that like, this is not something that you have to feel hopeless about. This is something that can be tied. I mean, if you do it the right way, you can do it without tears and without tantrums and without a lot of screaming and crying and <laughs> holding anyone down and definitely without, without force feeding anyone. Um, this can be done with your child feeling like it's their um, decision to eat these foods and it was their idea to do this um, and it was fully rewarded every step of the way and pretty soon you'll find yourself in one of those situations where you look over and you realize that oh my gosh my child will eat almost anything now and food texture isn't an issue anymore and we can go to a restaurant and, and I can order something and share it with them. And they're not going to have, you know, they're going to be able to try it and maybe they won't love it and that's okay, but they're going to be able to try it and we're not going to have a fit. And, and, and that's one of those things that, you know, mealtime can be such a, you know, you, you hear about the government saying like, oh, you know, make sure you always eat together, you know, whatever. Um, and, 
for a lot of parents, mealtime can be something that's really, really stressful. And especially if you're trying to, to foster healthy habits or you're trying to fix um, unhealthy habits that have started or, or, you know, have formed, or you just have a really, really picky, picky child. Um, and this, you know, I, I think that this is one of those things that like, if you work on this and you consistently do these things, this can have a massive effect on your home, uh, and the morale of everyone in your home as you, as you continue to do these things and as you continue to gain that flexibility with your child and them being able to try things and maybe they don't love everything and that's okay, but they can try it and they can see what their real preference is based on how they how they've consumed that, how they feel about that food item rather than just assuming that if it's not cheese or chocolate milk that they are not going to be engaging in that eating practice at all and missing out on that family time that that can so often be mealtime um, and not being able to eat what the rest of the family is eating. So um, I wanted to chat a little bit about that. If you find that you have a similar story to Liz and that your child is struggling to eat a variety of foods or you're concerned about their ability to try new food textures or this is limiting in how they interact in their environment because they're so limited in their food preferences and you're just not quite sure or you're you know afraid to maybe make a mistake about how to implement something like this and how to gain that kind of flexibility or maybe you've tried and and it's just not working and you feel like you need some extra guidance I recommend that you contact me for coaching services on on this particular thing my link is in the show notes so um, go ahead and and follow those links there and you can contact me anytime for a free consult on um, coaching where I can I can talk with you and see what you've done what I would recommend um, and, and if coaching is right for you, and if that would be something that would be helpful for uh, you and your family, um, to be able to have a healthier relationship with food all around and ha- help your child to be able to be flexible and, and to not be so uh, confined by, uh, this, this tiny array of food items that they're okay eating right now. If that's something that that interests you, um, I highly recommend you follow the links down below. Um, I also have an Instagram account that's that's linked down below um, that I frequently post on. And um, I have a website that will be coming up soon that um, will have a whole bunch of different courses that will explain these things as well. If you're not necessarily into like the deep dive and uh, the, you know, deep, quick, fast results with coaching, but the, you know, more intensive experience where I'm doing a lot of teaching and I'm doing a lot of, of active helping in making sure that everything is set up perfectly for your environment and for your home. But you feel like you could use something like a general course and then be able to figure it out on your own. Those will become available very soon as well. So I encourage you guys to check those things out. Um, and then I will be talking to you next week. For those that tuned in, thanks so much for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to talk about, please send it to us at famframing at gmail.com. That's F-A-M-F-R-A-M-I-N-G at gmail.com. Also check out our social media for more great tips and resources. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next week.